Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. very warm welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much as always for listening in and we've got a great guest for you this time out. First though, we are looking for a new sponsor for the podcast, a perfect way to promote your brand, all that hoops, crazy audience that we've got. You know, get in touch with us if you think we can help you on social media or if you want to spend a few pence or a few pounds for the cost of being royally entertained every week please head to mvp247.com and click on the donate page. Now, our guest, a British big man with a really bright future in the game. He went stateside, now he's back in this country and he's not just hes not just tough, he's rock hard. He's Glasgow Rock Centre. Boba joked on me. Boba, welcome to the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. That's early days, Boba. How's, how's your early season been so far? Uh, it's been uh, definitely, I would say for one, it's definitely a big difference from last year. You know, um, I, I, it's you know, safe to say that, you know, this time last year, when at the early stages of the season, you know, I wasn't having this much optimist, optimism look coming into the season. You know, we have a great bunch of guys. Uh, we have great returners, you know, uh, good veterans. You know, we have a Gareth Murray, uh, uh, Ali Fraser, Johnny Bunyan, you know, just to name a few. And then we have some great imports this year in Americans, you know, so the all the all around the team's looking very, very promising. And obviously we've made some noise so far. And obviously you want to push, uh, you want to strike with the iron's heart and continue to uh, perform at this high level. Obviously we're just in the cusp of the start of the league season. And I'm guessing three wins is not the baseline target this year. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. You know, uh, you know, like I said before, we look at last season as, and look at last season as, as a, as a, I'll say like a, a vision, you know, not a vision, but like more or less like a motivation to kind of, oh, okay, we're not going to take, you know, we're not going to take two steps forward and getting a good team and taking a hundred steps back by going back to where we were last year. You know, we definitely want to progress, you know. So right now, obviously, you know, like you just said, getting more than four wins is our goal. By the end of the day, we want to show, we want to get as many wins as we can this season to fight for the championship, the cup, the trophy, literally everything we're in this league. We want to fight and let them know that last year was mainly just a temporary year for us. We want to get back to the level that we were the year before last year. So um, it's definitely looking to be a great season for us. Yeah, four wins by Christmas. That should be doable. Yeah, yeah, very doable. <laughs> I mean, when you look at your progress, I mean, you're 25 now. I mean, in relative terms, you've not been playing basketball that long. No, no, I haven't. Uh, is is I wouldn't say it's luck because obviously for for sure I've been you know I I fought my way into this position that I am right now. Um, however, you know it, it's been a very very short period of time me playing basketball. You know, I started around out. I started when I was like you said, I'm 25. I started basketball when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, you know, luckily for me, I was introduced into the game with a bunch of great guys around me, uh, you know, and a great coaching staff. I was getting to that soon. But, um, yeah, literally the game came into my lap and I took it at the chain and I literally fought every day and I've been grinding so hard. And obviously now it's been it's, it's all paying off. Now I've been a BBL for my second year, playing professional for my second year, you know, and it's, I'm just grateful. I mean, people will be surprised by that purely because you're a big guy. You've always been a big guy, and you would expect yeah. at some point in your teenage years, someone taps you in the shoulder as you go and go, "Hey, you're tall. Fancy playing basketball? How did that not happen?" Yeah. 
Yeah, you see, yeah, that's just the thing. You know, um, I grew up in East London, and East London, obviously, you have, well, I'm going to say London. You know, in London, you have the very big teams. You have the Chelsea, you have the Arsenal, you have the Tottenham, Fulham, West Ham, you know, have all those teams. And ultimately, having that many Premier League teams in one city, obviously, kind of, sporting-wise, is more or less kind of focused on football. So, you know, growing up, obviously, all my friends wanted to play football. And my family was a football family. And obviously, I had uh, uh, people around, uh, neighbours, and everything. everyone was just football-generated, you know. And so, more or less, when growing up, I was kind of, like, inflicted to just, like, wanted to stick by football. And that's exactly what I did, you know. I just... Uh, played my football. No one else really knew, understood basketball. If I was to go around young, at a younger age and so to anyone else, oh, what do you know about basketball? I'm pretty sure the most common name that's been spoken about would be Michael Jordan. That's about that's as far as it goes. If I was to say, well, how do you know about basketball? I know Michael Jordan plays basketball and that's pretty much it. You know, nobody really much had that much knowledge of basketball. So therefore, you know, because no one had, uh, because no one had that much knowledge of basketball, it was like, you know, there was no platform for me to pick it up you know um so therefore i just kept playing football and you know uh that was pretty much what i did my whole childhood and so was the ambition you being a a tall lad was the ambition to be the next peter crouch was the ambition to be (laughs) my knowledge of central defenders isn't that great but the next central defender or perhaps you're going to surprise me saying you were a goalkeeper oh i definitely was a goalkeeper (laughs) (laughs) surprise i I did not yeah i was you know, obviously, typically when you play football, obviously, either you're, if you're tall, either you're a striker or you're a goalkeeper. Striker, obviously, because you're the tallest, you can jump high to head on the, uh, the crosses or goalkeeper because you are literally the size of the goal and you can kind of just stop anything from going in, you know what I'm saying? So um, that was it. It's either one of those, and I was not physically fit enough to be a striker. So I had to stick with what I was good at or what I thought I was good at was playing goalie. Because you did, I mean, you were all around it. I mean, you, obviously you got into basketball eventually, but yeah, you did a bit of swimming, a bit of tennis, yeah, a bit of footy. You mean, yeah, you, was it just sport, sport, sport? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, um, I, you know, I just wanted to play sport. I was a sport guy. Like, I just wanted to play sport. And but after football, it was more or less thinking about what sport am I going to play next? I know I want to play a sport, but it's just a question of what sport would that be? You know, so I was bouncing around from sport to sport. You know, just to name a few, I was playing tennis. I was swimming for a little while. Um, and then I played netball uh, for a little bit, you know, recreationally. Um, but the thing about playing but playing netball, obviously, I found that it was like, more or less woman-dominated, which kind of tra- helped me transition into basketball because I really enjoyed netball. But the closest thing to netball was obviously basketball. But, yeah, I'm just a sport guy. I want to play majority of sports. And I guess most of the sports that I played kind of transitioned into the fundamentals of basketball. I've never met a male who played netball before. How did that happen? Oh, I mean, this is the height thing, you know. You know, nobody can, <laughs> nobody can block your shot. Nobody can intimidate you, or you can intimidate everybody else. You know, it's just a height thing, you know. So you'll never live that down now that people know. But you'll never <laughs> live that down. So, so I mean, where does this this genesis come from of of you? finally discovering belatedly hey yeah basketball that could be my thing um yeah it happened you know like i said it happened around 18 when i was around 18 years old i play, uh, i went to uh, a school in east london um and my close friend who is still my close friend today he actually plays for he plays he's a current player for the sheffield shark um joe jr joe mm-hmm. Pozzolo. 
Yeah, so he, me and him went to the same school growing up. And obviously, he was a basketball guru, you know. Now, I say guru. He was just a, a junkyard dog. He just loved to play basketball from from as long as he can remember. I wasn't like that. But me and Joe obviously met uh, her past. I uh, met. And Joe was thinking the same thing you were saying to me now. You're a relatively tall guy. How is that no one told you to play basketball? We have the great sides for it. You know, you can be, you're young. You can work in. Why don't you play basketball? Why do you play basketball? You know, and, and you know, when you're young, you're more or less peer pressure to doing things. And sometimes you like it. Sometimes you don't. In this case, you know, I was kind of not peer pressure, but I guess I was kind of influenced into playing basketball at, uh, by Joe and uh, a couple other a couple other guys. Um influenced me to playing basketball when I picked it up literally uh, I think I remember my first time went to the sports hall it was during lunchtime and I just picked up a basketball and I you know he told me how to shoot free throws and I shot free I, I hit five in a row and from there from that point on it was kind of like well I already had the mechanics done why not build from here and kind of just keep working keep working and literally you know I, I don't regret that day ever since how does it happen though because I mean obviously everything happened very fast for you you end up you know two years at community college and states two years of d1 scholarship mm. but to get there you had to take a slightly unconventional route in that you ended up in that world-renowned hotbed of stoke yeah for, you know, for basketball and you know and there's a guy that a lot of us will have heard of who'd been around the bbl that really took you under his wing there yeah um sean jameson yeah you know uh like i say you know he one of uh, if 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 not maybe one of the most uh, beneficial per, people uh, per guy I've ever met in my life. You know he he took me under his wing, like you said, and literally molded me to who I am today. You know, uh, you know when back when Sean played, Sean was a he was a back to the basket big. He was very low post dominant, and he saw my size, he saw my physique, he saw what I could potentially do, and he wanted to inflict that on me. He wanted to teach me that. He wanted to kind of teach me the mechanics of being a low post scorer, you know, um, which kind of goes to show why, you know, my low post is kind of efficient now, because, or I say it all because of him. Um, but yeah, he took me under his wing. Uh, it was at a, I remember the day he met me, he was, um, we were at, I was at a London Youth Games, all right? Um, every summer, I think it's around every summer time or so, mm -hmm. we, uh, London hosts uh, what they call Youth Games. And literally, borrowers around London will come together and just play whoever's the best bar in the whole of London. You know, um, and so there were teams like Haringey, where team, you know, I played against Carl Carey, he played for Haringey, or I played against, you know, Cavell Bigby Williams, played for Hackney, uh, I played for Newham, you know, all different, all different areas in London that come together. Obviously, at a specific age group, of course, not to everybody, a specific age group. Um, I remember one time we're in the final fours, we we're playing against Haringey actually, and um, we were without our England players, so I'll say, you know, the Calvin. Calvin Kintu, uh, uh, um, uh, Ben Marin, and just just a bunch of other players without them. So we're kind of look, we're kind of uh, 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 weak in a sense, you know. So um, so we, we were playing the game, and I think I was on I was on the bench, and I came on. And what I did was catch one rebound, I got one post move, and I made one three free throw out of two. And literally, Sean was on the side; he was watching me, and literally, just with those small things, he kind of saw more. And he spoke to me afterwards and literally told me, um, you know, told me, you know, the, the typical recruiting coach, co you know, coach and player kind of conversation when recruiting, you know, I see you doing this for me, I see you doing this for me, I see you doing this for me. He said all that as well as telling me what 
he feels that I can do as a player. And that's what really got me. He told me, you know, you can, you have the potential to be one of the best big men in this country. You have the potential to have a work ethic. You have a potential to go to America. You have a potential to do this. And literally everything was just, I was processing everything because at that time it's like, I got sworn, I got, I'm, I'm literally still in the building. I'm still in the building. State. I'm still in the stepping stones, the baby steps, I should say. I'm still in the baby steps of learning how basketball goes, you know, because I just, I'm, I've only started a couple months ago and I'm already in the process of being recruited. So it kind of just all came to me so quickly. Um, and I, I'll say that I was, I was listening, but I would say 70% of the conversation, I was kind of zoned up because he was American. And Americans talking to me at a young age, I'm thinking, oh, God, okay, I'm going to America. I'm going to America. I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do that. You know, I'm eager. I'm an eager beaver at this point. So it's kind of like, you know, literally, I took upon what he said and listened to him. And then, you know, and then I told him where his school was located. Then he said, Stoke on Trent. Now I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little too far for me. Like, I'm not, you know, I, what the heck are you doing over here? And then you're over there. You know, it's kind of weird, you know. And then it comes, you know, it's just all different type of question. But then, you know, he, he we we met, you know, outside of basketball. We met, you know, at this restaurant and we were just talking. Uh, we spoke to my parents and then literally he just told us everything we needed to hear. Not what we wanted to hear, what we needed to hear. And literally, you know, everything was gold and i was like yeah this is this is it you know i'm going off for stoke on trent so i went to stoke on trent um i had to rent out uh <laughs> i had to rent out you know my living conditions were kind of tough but obviously it's those type of situations that kind of make you as a player and so i was living in um i had to rent out a room not even an apartment a room so there was a woman that was working at the school that i was, that I was going to and i had to rent out the room and i was staying there uh just in a room i had the room in the bathroom i had to share the kitchen and I had to share uh, the shower and stuff, or obviously the main house. But I had my own room. I had my own toilet, and so I was just in the back. You know, it's just rough. It was a kind of a small place. You know, by the time I mean, I was relatively big, but I didn't need that much stuff because I was still young and stuff. You know, so um, it was tough living arrangements, I'll say. But it definitely made me who I am today. I'm very grateful for it because obviously I I, I brushed past that and looked to the real reason I'm there, which is to progress as a basketball player. And literally, you know, it was the beginning of something great for the next two years when I was there. How does it sit with you, pivoting slightly away for a second, but how does it sit with you It's someone like you at that age who has raw talent but needs some nurturing, isn't captured in some way by a feeder club into the BBL as we have in other countries? Because if you were Spanish, and even if you'd looted the system by then, if you had that talent and someone spotted you, you know, you'd be in that the system you'd be in a program etc yeah does it kind of strike you as a bit strange now that you you've kind of got you've had a look around and you've been to the states and you kind of know the game a bit more that we don't have that we don't have that that option should be there but isn't yeah 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 i i definitely agree you know um I feel like, you know, just to name a few, you know, we played against them recently, you know, Dan Clark. Dan Clark, um, obviously one of this country's most polished players, you know, still, you know, current BBL, uh, uh, Great Britain player, current Manchester Giants BBL player. Um, yeah, he, obviously, he he was, uh, he, he went to Spain at a young age and obviously went to the uh, uh, junior programs, you know, and he kind of worked his way up and now he's a well-established player when he's at Spain. Now he's over here. So, the point I'm trying to say is that, like, they have those systems in place for players who are wanting to progress at a pro level, but still are 
in the amateur set, if that makes sense. So it's like, so, um, uh, so I'll give you another example. Last year, I feel like Surrey Scorchers tried to do it last year, which is good. They signed Cameron Hildreth for a short-term deal before he went off to Wake Forest. You know, it's, 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 um, I think that as a country, as a whole, we should definitely try and gun for stuff like that. Because obviously looking at my situation at a young age, you know, there was no program set for something like that. I feel like if I was in that set program, I would have, I could have progressed at an even more faster rate, I believe. But obviously, you know, and, and we need to kind of, I feel like that is a key thing to kind of set in place to kind of build the future for this country, you know, because we have a lot of, raw, like you said, we have a lot of people with raw talent at a young age, but don't have necessarily have the platforms of which they need to kind of progress as a player, you know, and 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 I definitely feel like you know, that needs to be that could be a thing to look look upon. Do you feel like I mean, when you went to Stoke, I mean, it was Newcastle College, and obviously Sean's there. I mean, if anyone doesn't know Sean's resume, played for the Harlem Globetrotters, played with lots of BBL teams, like fantastically. When we say power forward, he was power, all power. Yeah, yeah. But when you you go there and you've you've come from a background of you know lots of different sports. What's the challenge for you there to kind of get in basketball shape? Because it's a different kind of muscularity and physicality and all that. Particularly yeah. when you're at the end of your teenage years, when you've grown and naturally and everything, your body's shifted. I mean, what what were the what were the challenges, the methods you used to become a sort of basketball person? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, it's 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 all like you know within you know like I have to find it the motivation within myself to want to get better. However. You know, I can have motivation. I have, I can have all the motivation in the world. However, the actual thing is toughening itself. The actual thing is toughening itself. You know, like I said, uh, I played uh, football, and I played netball, and I played uh, tennis. I said, yeah. You know, so those three sports, and well, I'll put basketball in there. So those four sports all have different requirements in terms of physique. You know, for football, you don't necessarily have to run as much. Basketball, you have to run all the time. Tennis, you have to run all the time. You're by yourself. It's just you versus the other person. There's nobody else needs to kind of share the load. You're by yourself. Netball, there's more or less a uh, there's running, but when you have the ball, you have to stay still. You can't move with the ball. You know, it, it, it's this, and, and there's different fundamentals and mechanics. You know, uh, there's different ways that you have to kind of get your body into shape. And my body was so fixated on being a goalkeeper that I didn't have to run that much. So therefore, I was not used to running. So when it came to basketball, and I just realized that, you know, it's, it's a smaller court, first of all. It's a smaller court. And literally, you have to run all the time. You have to keep running, until, obviously, until you're subbed out. But until then, you have to keep running. Have to, it's a constant up, back and forth, constant back and forth. And my body was not ready for that at all because I'm so used to just staying on one half of the pitch and watching the play happen on the other end. And when the ball comes to me, you know, I have to work. Even then, I don't have to work as much. But... um. Yeah, the transition was definitely difficult. It was definitely tough. You know, I had to uh, um, strength. I had to strengthen certain areas of my body that I don't necessarily use. That, for instance, my legs. I had to. I had to do a whole bunch of. You know. You know. You know. I had to you know, like. So, for instance, running. You know, you have, to, you have to run a lot, and you have to make sure your, your legs are conditioned to be able to run for a long time. So, lifting, squatting, deadlifts, all that stuff. Um, I was introduced into a program that I've never seen before. And for the first couple months that I was doing it, it was definitely a tough. But it's more or less because I was young and my body was still growing. The more repetition I had in those stuff, the more I was getting used to it. And we were doing that things on a daily basis. So it was like, 
the more I did it on a daily basis, the better I became and the more relaxed I felt about the workouts and stuff. I mean, you said but you the were, process was... You said, obviously, you wanted to go to the States, and that was the kind of... Once, once you kind of caught this bug, that was the dream. But, you know, when you, you come through this sort of a smaller program in this country, and even though you've done two years at it, and you, you had to go through the junior college, community college route to, to, to get there. Tim, people kind of always understand the process of being the big time recruitment. What's the process of finding your way to uh, to that level of basketball in the States as your starter? Was it as simple as send out my game film and people come looking or how did, how did yeah. you go about it? Yeah, um, it can it can be that simple. You know, sometimes it's that simple. Whether you're saying a game tip to a majority of coaches, a bunch of coaches, and obviously they will see they want you or not to see if you, if you fit their, their plan, coaching plan. Um, for me, however, it was more or less um, uh, I was on the wing of somebody who knew a lot of connections. So in this case, Sean knew a lot of people in America. Obviously, with his uh, resume, playing against people, he's built relationships, and those relationships with people have now become coaches in America. So he's now had he's now um, obviously people respect him and remember him for um, how he played. You know, it's more or less, not, and people know what his grind was, how his mindset was at basketball. So when he recommended the player, they will understand that he's not recommending any random player. He's not recommending someone who don't feel like he can't produce when he goes to America, he can't progress when he gets to America. He's he's actually recommending a player who knows you can go over there and make a name for himself and also help your program. So um, he he knew a bunch of people, and uh, obviously I made my own game tape. He he, he told me here his game film, make it make the uh, make a suitable game tape. Let me see it, and I'll send it off. And that's what happened, you know. Um, he I sent it, gave it to him, and he spoke to guys and said, like, listen, I have a big man. He's this and this and this. He's this age. He, he can play this way. He can play this way. You know the typical kind of, you know the typical kind of. Um, uh, 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 sending off tape and stuff, just telling my strengths and my weaknesses and stuff. Um, and you know, a bunch of coaches liked what he's heard, a bunch of coaches didn't like what they heard, but obviously, um, it was obviously one you know, uh, one uh, junior college that stood out with Chattanooga State Community College that really stood out and really liked everything that they heard of me and stuff. But, um, what you said about sending off the tape and what I did. Literally, there's there's no right way of doing it. There's many different ways to get noticed to to go to America, but those that's the way that happened for me. Now, the, one of the significant differences between a, a community college and D one is they're not flying you over first class for a recruiting visit to woo you there. So, would it be fair to say that the first time you write rock up in Chattanooga is you is day one? Yeah. It, it it was. I didn't. I didn't have a. I didn't have no visits or nothing. So literally, my first day of seeing China was day was literally like you said, day one. Um, now yeah. I I have been to Chattanooga and it is lovely. It's a charming little place. And everyone anyone wants to travel to Tennessee, I highly recommend it as a stop. But you, you know, you're shifting countries to basically go and live somewhere new. What's yeah? What's day one, week one, month one like of the American experience? Coming out of Stoke and via London or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's definitely uh, I'll say a culture change. You know, you come from you go from London to Stoke, 
not big of a difference to the same country. <laughs> maybe maybe accent change here and there, you know, stuff like that. But then you go to America, where it's a huge accent change. The way people do things is completely different. Not to mention the humidity in the air is very different. <laughs> the air they breathe over there is very different. I the first week, I I can't lie, we were doing. Uh, I remember when I was from Chattanooga State, we were doing uh, preseason, and obviously part of my preseason was running outside, and you know. Like I said, I would find it hard to breathe normally. So now can you imagine me trying to run in that humidity? It was something else. I could not hack it for the first week, honestly. Um, and then then there's the different people. Then there's the attitudes of people. Then there's the living, then there's the living uh, uh, environments and stuff like that. It was a huge change, you know. And then obviously when you want to go, you know, like I said, I want to go to the store or something, you know, the roads are very much more busy. Uh, um, the structure, obviously, and it's left side of the road too. They drive on the left side of the car and they drive on the right side, you know. So it's it, it's everything was different. It took me a while to adjust. So that first week was almost like being in a whole different world, honestly. And then that's before people notice you're actually walking places, and then they be yeah. hard if you for like not getting in your car to walk a hundred yards down the street. Yeah, li- literally, you know, literally everybody drives <laughs> over there. There's no you know, like in London or Stoke or anywhere else in, in, in England where there's like public transport on every 10 to 15 minutes where you can just take a bus and go this place. No, everyone drives. If you don't drive, you have to walk if you, or take an Uber or something. Literally, it was so busy, so busy. How did you find that transition? I mean, with, you know, with everything, the work that the, all the work that Sean had done with you, was it a comfortable fit there? Because it's you know it's a different kind of game in the states. And, you know, guys have yeah. you're going up against guys who've been playing since they were you know three, four, you know, probably before that. I mean, yeah. Know, what's that initiation like into the world of U.S. basketball? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's and another thing. You know, to answer your question, also for me uh, with Sean, obviously with how Sean trained, because obviously Sean is American. He knows the process of junior college practices. He knows the competition. He knows what to expect. So that whole two years of him with being, being with him, he was prepping me for that hardship of being able to battle with those type of competition. So when I came to America, it was tough. It was tough, but it wasn't something, it wasn't nothing I've already done with Sean. So, the running, the, the 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 conditioning drills in the in the gym, the um, uh, the the basketball drills, all different types of literally, it wasn't things. It was already things that I'm familiar with, but it was just on another level, you know. So, um, in terms of basketball, uh, I was more or less almost up to speed. Obviously, there was some environment, like I said, humidity and and and, and uh, court size and and and, and um, uh, playing with different competition and stuff. However, um the speed of the game obviously i was up to speed with it almost you know it just took me like i said it took me a couple of months to get used to it, but once i did everything was smooth sailing but yeah that transition was kind of like i'm used to it i was kind of used to it did you always feel like that was going to community college junior college you that was going to be a stepping stone for you to look for that division one scholarship which is you know the the holy grail of of going to the states at that age yeah yeah um you know, first of all, I didn't even think I was even going to make it to America, first of all. You know, so the fact that I'm here and I was there in America at the Chattanooga State Community College was 
was great, you know. But like you said, you know, the end result was Division One. So the first moment I heard that America was an option, I just thought, well, I'm going straight to Division One from Stoke on Trent. That's what I thought, you know. Uh, and a lot of kids or a lot of people my age or that age would think that same way. But I believe that there is a huge benefit from going to junior college because junior college, I would say that the competition is tough simply because not only am I having the same mindset, but the whole of America who are playing in the, the, uh, the junior college league have the same mindset of everyone wants to go to Division One, So therefore, everyone is hungry to go to Division One, which makes the competition 10 times as harder. And I would say the grit and grind, the junkyard dogs, the real guys that really want to you know, battle down the the scars, the scratching, the battles, all happened for me in junior college. When I went to Division One, it was battling, but it wasn't as tough as it was junior college because Division One, everyone's already made it. Now everyone's just trying to play for a championship. But in junior college, everyone's trying to fight for a Division One spot. You know, sometimes people have to obviously take what they can get, but at the end of the day, the mindset is Division One. You know, so um. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the junior college stage for me was definitely beneficial and it helps a lot in the long run. Do you think part of that is is also you got playing time, which if you'd gone straight to D1, you know, maybe scratched a, an offer from somewhere. Oh, oh probably, of course. You would have sat on a bench for two, three years. Yeah, most most definitely. And that's another big thing about, about progress, uh, as you're progressing as a player. I'm still progressing at this point, mind you. I'm still kind of in the building stages of my early stages of my basketball career. So I'm still learning the, I'm still learning the ropes to an extent. But at the same time, what, what a lot, a one, a key thing that helps in the building blocks of, uh, when you start something new is confidence. And so when I went to division, I wonder, sorry, when I went to junior college and I'll get played all the time, literally it gave me the confidence to play more. It gave me the confidence to kind of, okay, I'm going to play today. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So literally I was getting so much. I was in my freshman year, I was getting a lot of minutes because there was only two big men and coach preferred me over the other big men. So I was getting played a lot of minutes. It was a couple of times where I played 40 minutes, played straight 40 minutes. And, you know, uh, and you're, he's playing plays through you. Okay, get bow in the post, post bow up, bow, bow, take the jump shot, bow run the floor, get the layup. So he's, encouraging me to get more touches and get a feel of the game and just hearing that from the coach hearing that from the players helped me in building my confidence to the point now that i'm just playing and i just feel great playing so definitely going to junior college getting those minutes helped me in my transition from junior college to division one most definitely i mean you end up in southern mississippi um natural progression you know another level up etc how do you how did you find that assimilation? Was it as you know as straightforward as the Stoke to community college, or was it a different kind of a transition? Uh, it was somewhat straightforward. I say that to say because I've already spent two years in America. It's not like I'm going to a whole different country again. It's mm-hmm. just I'm, you know, so I, I will, and I'm going from Tennessee to, to Mississippi, so not that far, and I'm still in the South, so not so much of a culture change. However, um. Uh, basketball-wise, you know, it was much more strict. I would say Division One is so organized, it's so structured, it's almost like playing professional basketball. They're so organized, they make sure they uh, they make sure your practice gears are ready. They make sure you have a they, they follow a strict plan to so the practice plan, that like meal plan, uh, 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 um, weights, 
uh, just physiotherapy, all different facilities and stuff for you to use to help you. And something that was obviously something I was not used to because in junior college there wasn't that much for me. However, when you go to Division One, they have everything there for you to kind of help you progress and help you. So um, that's just transitioning, obviously, you know, was easier than Stoke and Trent to Chattanooga State, but it was still a tough transition nonetheless. You're living in the South. Great place. Lots of you know, yeah. diver- diverse things to do that you can get up to. What, what, off the court, what do you learn? I mean, do you go hunting and fishing? What's what's the kind of American experience? <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. Fishing. <laughs> fishing was... I loved fishing. You know, uh, 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 you know, you can imagine a big, uh, not not big city, but a, a city London, a London city boy, going over to the south and just being introduced to a whole bunch of southern stuff that I have never done before. So fishing, um, I was um, my friend one time. He was um, it was duck season, and he had a hunting license, but I don't have a hunting license. However, I went with them and I just sat there just to watch them duck hunt in the morning. They go hunting for ducks. And it was, and it was an experience. The adrenaline rush was crazy, you know. Next, you know, uh, we'll just all be quiet. We're in a camouflage stuff. All quiet. It's really early in the morning. We're just sitting there, all quiet. And the next, you know, we hear all the guys just pointing guns in the air. Bang, bang, bang. You know, the adrenaline is just crazy. And just for me, who's not used to seeing stuff like that, it was it was fun, you know. And obviously, it's fishing, adrenaline from fishing and stuff, you know. Um, and then you got frog gigging. Uh, all different southern experiences that was, you know, it was I really enjoyed my time. I'm glad that my American journey was consisted of staying in the south because that was it was really fun. Here's the big question from living in the south. Grits or no grits? Uh, I'll say grits. (laughs) I'll never ever understand grits. (laughs) Grits was good. I like grits. No no grits. We can can agree to differ there. And you, you come back to this country, and here's the thing about it. You, you build a nice resume in the States. And, you know, obviously you're a late starter. You're not picked up as early. But did you feel that maybe, I know there was a nibble of a, I think it was Great Britain under 20 scored. But yeah, were yeah. you surprised, annoyed, frustrated that no one quite, you know, said, yeah, yeah, you should be on a team? Yeah, you know, you know, uh, I'm glad you asked that question because it was a question mark for me for, you know, for as long as I remember, you know. Um, you know, I was kind of, when I was in, when I was growing, when I was playing in England, you know, I was kind of under the radar, you know, for good reasons. That's why I very late. I was under the radar for a long time. And then literally nobody really knew of me until I went to Chattanooga State when I started scoring some big numbers, you know. And I think after my freshman year in that summer, that's when I finally got my first ever call up. Like you said, Great Britain under 20. And um, I was excited because this is something I've been anticipating for a long time. And also, um, another, uh, just to bring up again, Joe Junior Bozzolo for Sheffield Shock. He, the year before that I got, uh, the year before I got called up to the GB squad under 20, he was playing for, he made the squad. You know, uh, him and Cavell B. Him and Cavell B. B. Williams, and those two guys are really close to me. You know, and I speak to them. You know, we worked out this whole summer. We worked out this summer. We we we, we stayed close. Um, and they and they played before. You know, so and it was kind of like, you know, it was like uh, I've always wanted to play 
even before G120, I've always wanted to play for under 16, England under 16, under 18. I've always wanted to play for the country. You know, I never really had the resume to kind of back myself up to kind of do that. But when I went to junior, when I went to the uh, junior college, after my freshman year, I got called up to under 20. It was a fun experience, great experience to finally get that. You know, it didn't necessarily go the way I wanted to because it got cut. And then literally ever since then, you know, never really, never really got caught up again. You know, um, uh, it was it, it's 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 kind of frustrating, honestly. Um, because I feel like not to say that I'm the best player in the country, not to say I'm oh I'm if you sign me, I mean sorry if you take me up, we're gonna win the FIBA. The, 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 you know, so I'm not I'm not gonna diff myself because we're all you know we're, this is a country full of great players. I give credit to I give credit credit to. However, you know, um, I just put up with the resume that I had, the resume that I was working, you know, my grind, you know, working under the radar, not so to speak. Uh, 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 it's even mentioned that, you know, it, it was kind of upsetting that I didn't get no call-ups and stuff. You know, it was, uh, you know, it's something that I still want to do, something I'm still gunning for. You know, I still still fight for the chance to, you know, to maybe get called up to the senior squad at one point, you know, but... um. You know, I feel like, you know, definitely my resume, I could have probably get some type of call-up, for sure. Do you think when you're coming through all that stages, just, you know, up to the point you you, you turn pro, mm. but how much is, you know, you've had to adapt quite a lot, and I wonder if that, if that's something that you think's been really useful in, you know, I suppose also in development as a player, development as a person as well, but mm. you know, having that sort of ability to kind of, change pivot you know, try new things you know excel at new things learn from different things i mean that's that's must be such a great learning tool for you yeah um so like you, you mean like adapting in that in the professional kind of stuff yeah I mean, level? It, obviously you've had to you've had to go to different countries or you know be, be a late starter and all that kind of stuff i mean it yeah, must yeah. Sort of help um it definitely did you know and and definitely being Throw it into these big basketball stages. Ever since I picked up basketball, definitely helped my progression. So, for instance, like I said, as soon as I picked up a basketball, started playing. I was playing London U game. Then went to Stoke, still a learning stage. After Stoke, went to America, Loki kind of still learning stage. And after in America, I went to Division One. Wow, I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm still in these learning stages. You know, sometimes it takes more than a couple of years to kind of learn a sport, and I'm still in those stages. And I'm over here playing in very, very big levels. You know, and so now I'm finding a professional, you know, I, it kind of, I'm continuing, you know, it, the learning process I thought and they will never stop, you know, you're always continuously learning, even veterans are still learning to an extent, you know, so, um, and, you know, play, being a professional now has definitely helped me a whole lot more, you know, last year, obviously, I have been, you know, I needed to kind of adapt to different things and maybe I need to shoot the ball more, maybe I need to, uh, 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 run the floor more, you know, blocks more shots. You know, I was pushing myself to levels that I never thought I could do, which I now know that I can do because I pushed myself to it. You know, so now this year, I know what I can do last year. Now I'm going to critique it and apply it onto the court this year. And it's a very early stage too, which is very, very promising. You know, so I use every learning curve as a way to kind of push myself to move forward every time. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can do it at this level because you know, this level will push me as much as I'm trying to push myself. When you signed for Glasgow last year, I mean, obviously even at that point in the summer, you know this is not going to be a good team. It's not going to be a team that's going to win a lot of games. It was set up last year because of COVID. 
and everything. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was a team that was a low budget team and the expectations were rock bottom and rightly so as it turned out. But were there positives for you in going into that kind of situation where, you know, you've, if you fail, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but you've got a bit more leeway to kind of fail and bounce back and learn and everything. And obviously you were getting a lot of playing time, particularly at the start and finish of the season and, and yeah. everything there. I mean, amidst the kind of difficulties, was it, was yeah. there a lot of upsides to be in that particular situation in that particular year for you? Yeah, I felt like it was, you know, especially it being my my rookie year. Mm. You know, obviously it's not it's not it's not it's not ideal for a rookie to come out and be on a losing team because then it ultimately makes realistically make it hard for a rookie to find the team after mm. that year because nobody really wants to sign someone from a losing team. However, um, it definitely was beneficial for me and the team. You know, you said it perfectly. You know, we had nothing to lose because obviously, as I said, we knew that we were not as strong as we would like to be. But however, that made us like, oh, we have nothing to lose. You know, we didn't like to lose, of course, but it's le- it's a it's a it's a learning stage. You know, we we didn't like to lose, but we lost. But every time we we, we learn from it. You know, and obviously, me playing a lot of minutes, you know, at a professional level, like I said, helped me with my confidence. And evidently, as it's shown on the court, my confidence was growing every game that I played to the point now that I'm scoring double doubles and you know, I, and I'm and I'm uh, trying my best to help the team out. There was one time where um, against Sheffield, uh, we had a we had a you know against Sheffield, and we won the game, and I scored 18 points. You know, and like I, and then I, you know, what I'm saying like the confidence kind of was building so much to the point where now we finally actually turned our losing into a win. You know, and it kind of, you know, carried over from there, you know. But um, it was definitely beneficial, you know, uh, give me a chance to play the game a lot more. Um, you know, just kind of work on things that I know that are my weakness, you know. So, um, yeah, it was definitely, I feel like it was definitely, that's the silver lining for Monsi. Although it was a losing season, the silver lining was that as a, per, as a player, as a team, you know, we, you know, as a player individually, each of the guys be all improved. You know, and that's like the biggest thing. How strategic were you? Either you know, summer of twenty twenty or, or summer twenty twenty one, and kind of looking right. This is where I want to be in five years' time. This is the progression I want to make. You know, this is where I'd like to be. This is what I need to do to get there. I mean, did, have you have you sat back and then even maybe talked to people like Sean or Pete, talked to Gareth Murray and, and sort of thought, well, this is the route map that ideally, if the offers come and, you know, everything goes your way that you might be able to take to get to a next level and then a next level. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, I spoke to Gareth the other day, you know, we spoke, uh, I spoke to Gareth the other day about his journey. I mean, where he went to, um, and what he was, you know, and what his mindset was at my age, you know, what would you want him to do, you know, just to kind of pick his brain, you know, because I always do that chance, to, every chance I have to kind of pick the brains of veterans, you know, we have uh, two guys on the team with pretty decorative careers, you know, we have, uh, we have um, Gareth Murray and we have Ali Fraser, who's played in different countries as well as the BBL, and I've been relatively, you know, beneficial players everywhere they go to, you know, so I picked the brains of them, you know, and 
you know, it's kind of given me kind of an insight to kind of think about where I want to be. And I've definitely thought about it. You know, I've definitely thought about where I want to be in the next five years, where I want to be in the next, you know, two to three years, you know, how I want to play. You know, I've definitely made it. Now, this summer, this past summer, I definitely made it a thing where I want to improve my outside shooting because the game of basketball is, uh, is, is evolving so quickly. And it's to the point now, bigs are now dribbling the ball. Bigs are shooting the ball. Bigs are, you know, crossing, crossing people. Bigs are dying and giving flashy assists and stuff. Like that. Not to say I want to go out there and give flashy assists. However, I'm just trying to say the game is progressing very quickly. And like I said before, you know, I've been so drilled into being a low post player. And that's old school basketball. Not to say that it's not broken because it's definitely not broken. However, I wanted be that strong low post player as well as add some touch outside and maybe shoot the three, maybe pull up jumpers and stuff like that, you know. So um um as far as where I wanna play, you know, I definitely, you know, definitely been thinking about, you know, high level teams in Europe. So, you know, A C B, Pro Pro A, you know, German BBL, you know, those are those are places that I've really been looking at ever since, you know, professional basketball was was the was the consideration for me. So, um those are places where I really do want to play. You know, I'll take what I can get. You know, like, for instance, we have a few guys this year that are playing over in Asia, playing in Japan, just to name a few, Ovi Soko, Miles Hassan, uh, Ryan Richards, uh, Ben Lawson. You know, those guys are all making their names for themselves in, in, in Asia, you know. Um, and then, obviously, there's, you know, Australia and there's uh, different other major teams all over the world, you know. So, I more or less just want to play for a top-level team in Europe, if not Europe, any top-level team anywhere else in the world. That's yeah. pretty much where, you know, that's pretty much the mindset I want. So I'm not sure they're making names to themselves in Asia, but they're making a lot of money. So that's, yeah, that's, there's, a lot yeah, to be yeah. Said, there's a lot to be said for that indeed. Um, yeah. When you when you start, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the summer, I mean, other teams were in Chester, and Cheshire, Cheshire were keen to have you, you know, there's little you know, thoughts elsewhere. Yeah. For you, why did you decide to come back to Glasgow? Obviously, knowing that they were going to strengthen, you were probably going to come off the bench again. You, yeah. what explain maybe the decision process there? Um. Well, it's more or less because first and foremost, you know, I felt like I had unfinished business. You know, um, the way we started, where I started off my career, wasn't the best way. Like I said before, it's not a very good way to start my career. You know. And it would, I, me personally, I felt like it wouldn't have looked good on my resume if I was to be with a losing team and then leave, you know. Um, I feel like if I was to stay for another year and have a better season than last year, at least then I can be seen as, I'm not queer, at least then I can be seen as, okay, he wants to finish where he started, you know. Um, and obviously the, the pitch that G gave me when he was trying to recruit me, you know, was very, very, you know, you know, it's very straightforward. You know, we want to do better than last year. He had G told me his plan, and he 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 he, he achieved it. He said he wanted to get some imports. He said he wanted to bring me back as well as bring Ali back and bring a much more diverse, stronger team than last year. That's exactly what he's done. You know, so the fact that he definitely lived up to his word is obviously made me so happy to actually finally sign back. Um, but G, I know G. G knows me. I know the players on the team. I know the program. I know the system. You know, it was just right for me to come back here. You know, because um, me playing on the bench here, I feel like it complements the team. We already have a team full of strong scorers. We have a team full of strong defenders. We have a team full of players that can rebound the ball, who can drive it to the key and stuff. You know, 
And I just feel like this year I don't have to do as much. Last year, obviously, I was for, not forced, but I was uh, in. I needed to do a lot more than what I am strong at. You know, this year I can more or less focus on the things that the team is not as strong as. So this year, I feel like I can work on more rebounding. I can definitely build that junkyard go downstairs and kind of really just grab all the misses and grab the rebounds and really, you know, and maybe get some tipping, you know, some dump offs and our post moves and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just coming back, I felt like it just, it just made sense for me. Uh, G knows me, you know, uh, I know him. It's just, it just works out perfectly for me, I feel like. The other side of that, though, it's your second Glaswegian winter. You've got new teammates. What's what's the advice for them to survive the next four months in the cold and wet of Glasgow? <laughs> uh, well, just just uh, keep warm, I guess. Just <laughs> uh, you know, don't don't mistake you know don't mistake a little sunshine for it to be consistent weather, you know, don't go out, don't look at the weather outside and see sun, I'm like, okay, walking well, up my shorts, because literally in the blink of an eye, it can be thundering, you know, you can, it's just, the weather's so unpredictable over here, so literally have to, you know, make sure you just stay warm, or some have a spare or something, you know, have a spare raincoat or something, just to kind of be prepared for the worst. Last thing, looking ahead, I mean, it's been quite a journey and it's been so fast, I mean, you mentioned ACB and you mentioned, you know, sort of somewhere bigger, but when you kind of come out of this and the big basketball script of Bobo Joe doing me is written, what do you think it'll say? Um, I honestly think it would... Well, the script, I, I feel like it would be titled Underdog, I believe. Because um, I feel like, you know, for as long as I've been playing basketball, I've been under the radar. I've been underrated. People have been looking at me as, okay, well, he's he he doesn't he doesn't got a big name behind him. We don't really have to worry about him, you know. Um, I just feel like, you know, I, I can be a lot better than I know I can be. You know, I I feel like there's a lot coming for me, you know, because I. You know, not to be big-headed, but, you know, sometimes you have to be. But I feel like, you know, my work ethic is very high. You know, I'm, I'm very respectable. Uh, I'm coachable. You know, I can, I listen to instructions and I follow instructions. And, and I try my best to do what has been told of me. So if G wants me to go and rebound, I'm going to try and rebound my butt off to make sure I, I follow what he told me. You know, but I feel like the script will kind of say, you know, um, he stuck with his instincts and he followed, you know, the path of which he set himself and achieved everything he said he was going to achieve. I believe that, you know, in a few years' time that I will be, you know, a very polished player and a very well-respected British player. There you go. There's not just one Boban in basketball. He could be a movie star or a movie star. Yeah. There could be a second one and he's ours. So that's great. Um, Bo, yeah. always great hearing about your story. And continued growth and continued good luck this this season and beyond. And thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Bo. That's it for this edition. All our previous editions available, of course, at mvp247.com or check out your preferred podcast provider. You can get our recent editions 
with Josh Ward-Hibbert and Lloyd Gardner if you haven't listened to them already. If you want to sign up for the post up our regular newsletter, you can do that as well at the website. Lots of exclusive features and insight on that as well. If you want to reach out to me, get me on Twitter at Mark Brickball. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very, very soon. But thank you so much for listening. For me, Mark Woods, it's goodbye.